Hey there, Horribles. Hope you're enjoying our supersized Pride event. We wanted to share with you another one of our rebroadcasts, an episode we did earlier this year with the amazing Final Thems podcast. We were talking about the movie that built itself as the first gay slasher uh, yet. It's called Hellbent. Uh, our, our joke in the original thing was not even the weapons are straight in this. Uh, it's really interesting. It is in some ways a, a relic of its uh, very late 90s, early 2000s time. Um, but the really interesting thing, I think, is that uh, some of us found, you know, inside this this very, uh, <laughs> this very cis gay movie, like, this really interesting trans narrative that uh, we're not even sure, like, if the filmmakers knew was there. So uh, it's an interesting ride. Definitely check it out. This one's a little bit of a challenging one to find. Um, last time when we talked about it, it was on logo uh, on their website um or no i think it was probably here i don't know one one of the two and then uh you know a couple of us just had to watch it on youtube because it's uh it's a difficult one to get your hands on right now they need to do a, a reissue of it because it's been a little while but hopefully you can find a way to check it out and you can sit with us and uh enjoy talking about this is really fun slasher all right well, we will see you again on Wednesday with a little digressively horrified. And until then, stay horrified. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the incredibly 2004 gay slasher, Hellbent. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Feeling really gay. Real, real gay. <laughs> very appropriate mood for this movie uh next up my frequent collaborator comics artist and certified vampire aficionado emily martin how are you tonight emily really moderately gay all right we're, we're getting a whole spectrum here and our special <laughs> guest tonight, a, re a real rainbow <laughs> of gayness if you yeah will. yes <clears throat> and our special guest tonight the host of the final thems podcast tara acevedo and manuel vilma tara manuel it's great to have you how are you tonight Excitably gay and filled with chocolate. Ooh, yes, I'm feeling dangerously gay and full of coffee, ready to go. Those are both wonderful types of gay. <laughs> also, I, I I will hate myself if I don't just quickly say it was Tara Acevedo and Manuel Vilma, just Tara. to put that out there. No, <laughs> you we are good. Well, yeah. We didn't clarify, you know. You didn't. We, we didn't say that beforehand. You never I, yeah, heard our well, names before. I changed the spelling of my name so it would be spelled correctly. It's uh, totally all about the importance of stuff being correct and standing up to make sure it's correct. Yeah, my bad. Sorry about that. You are good. You didn't hear him before. <laughs> yes, we are the co-hosts of Final Thems. And if I could just launch into a bit about what Final Thems is, if that's Please. a good time for it. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us all about it. Go. 
Cool. So Manuel and I met each other many moons ago when we were both identifying as cis straight people. We were in a relationship uh, that quickly became very toxic because we are not cis or straight people. We were trying very hard to fill roles. But the most consistent thing that left us bonding with each other was our love of horror. So as we grew up and grew older and grew much, much, much queerer and into our true identities, we realized that horror was there with us the entire time along the way. So we started Final Thems as a bit of a love note to our relationship, our love note to horror itself, and all of the queer feelings that we had as we were watching our favorite movies together. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the podcast. I know, you know, when uh, you guys did Scream as your first movie, uh, that was literally like we had been talking to TJ who like desperately wanted to come on and do Scream, and uh, you guys did it and. uh he did. was like, well, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. I don't think we can do it any better than they did. And we did not do it better. We did it differently with mm. just with jokes mm. and interpretations mm-hmm. in the great stew that is scream analysis. <laughs> and I talked a lot about all of it being filmed over there. Because <laughs> it is basically my hometown, or not hometown, but my my current living location area. It was so, all places that I regularly visit, and I actually oh, saw so when it was being filmed. <laughs> so, but. Weird filming uh, scenarios brings us to tonight's film, Help yes. and a movie. Did you guys know it took that this movie it took them two years to film this movie? Yes, because it's filmed that whole West Hollywood carnival. And I looked this up because I'm like, this is amazing. And also, mm, this movie doesn't look like it has the budget to pull off this elaborate (laughs) setup. Uh, That is a real event. It is a Mm. mile long, like Halloween, like super queer Halloween festival every year. So they filmed it on location and it took them, they had to do it on two nights. So they were only able to film so much on one year and then they had to wait another year for the next festival. Yeah, I was looking into it and I guess basically like they didn't even have a cast to the first time they were there. They were just filming like B-roll for this thing as like part of pitching it. And then, you know, uh, they, they got all the funding, they got everything together, got a cast. And then, you know, the next year they showed up at Carnival and were like, we're going to film a whole fucking movie here. Which makes sense thinking about it now with having that B-roll knowledge, because there are um, transition cuts where we just have dancers dancing that are, that are so realistic and in the time and place that it makes complete sense that it's actually them filming the event itself. That's so cool. There's this scene like outside the leather club they go to, and there's just a crazy person on stilts doing like the yeah, most exactly. out there dance. And I was like, what? And it's so cool that that, w- that was just happening and they filmed yeah. it. It felt, felt very much like uh, Travel Channel B rule. <laughs> <laughs> felt like I was there, like gorilla style. <laughs> so oh my God, I, yeah. watched, I watched this movie because this movie is not actually available like anywhere. I don't know why you can't find this movie. I watched it on, a, it's uploaded entirely on YouTube with Spanish subtitles. Uh, I'm not sure how accurate the subtitles are, but they're there. <laughs> yeah, that was all, the only place I found it as well. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure if it's the rele- if it's the YouTube compression or the way it is, but there's this sort of like low quality to the video that I feel like 
worked in this movie's favor to a big degree. Like, yes, certainly, certainly yeah, for the special effects, yeah. Mm-hmm. It also like, really it's, gives it that like intimate feeling. You feel like it's almost found footage in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, aside from just you know the two thousandsness of the queer content, I was like, oh yeah, no, this feels like something that would have come out in, like nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, the, the only place where the quality of it did not work great for me was the sound editing, where sometimes like when you jump between areas, the like there's just this abrupt change in the music and the background noise with no kind of fade in or out or anything. And it's just like, oh, somebody was really like guerrilla filmmaking this thing, mm-hmm. just, like figuring out there's, as they go. There's one special effect near the end. I'm like, mm okay, you had a budget to afford one decapitated head and you kind of winged it on the rest. (laughs) 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 Jeremy, where did you see it? Did you see it on YouTube as well? Uh, I ended up watching the YouTube one. Um, It is available like to to buy or rent on Amazon, Um, but I'm I'm not doing those things on Amazon right now. Um, And then... uh, the other option was it is streaming on the Here channel's website, which I started to watch through there, at which point when you get five minutes in, uh, like right to when the guys in the car are being attacked here, it says, hey, you don't have a subscription to Here. Did you want to go ahead and subscribe now? Which I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, yeah, now they that, gotcha. Now that <laughs> is a cock tease. That's how they gotcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like literally like, this dude leans out, leans backwards out of the car and I was like, oh, I know what's coming. And it's like, hey, but to see that, did you want to pay us $10 a month? <laughs> so a, li- a little more behind the scenes info on Hellbent, the title Hellbent, they ran a contest. Oh my God. Uh, determine, uh, you know, apparently featuring such titles as Queer Knife for the Dead Guy, uh, which, <laughs> yikes. Uh, Learn better than to put these things to put these options online. You know what? Hellbent is both a suitable, good horror title, also being very generic. And you know what? Mm -hmm. I get it. I make comics. Honestly, coming up with a title on some projects is the hardest fucking part of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, just leaving it open to a contest is sometimes just the easiest way out. Like, what do you guys want this to be named? Twenty-eight days later. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was another one of the options. Twenty-eight days later. Yeah. Twenty-eight days later. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit about the the movie itself. Uh, it is directed by Paul Etheridge. This is one of his only actual directing credits. He's primarily works in art direction. Um, the other one, the other major one being Ed Brubaker's Angel of Death, starring Zoe Bell, um, which I only have album. seen because I used to work at Blockbuster at the time that came out. <laughs> I would love to know how him and Ed Brubaker teamed up. <laughs> yeah. I, I love uh, about that. So he had actually never written a complete script before Hellbent. He had never directed a film, never done anything like that. And this was his first shot at it. They wanted there to be an 80s style slasher gay horror film. And he said, okay. So he went and he just watched a bunch of 80 slashers identified the tropes and just put it in his script so it is kind of pretty formulaic when you're watching it but it's it's completely on brand for what they wanted it to be oh yeah and it's yeah. it definitely does a really good job of capturing that slasher feel and 
honestly, just the overt queerness makes it a really unique entry into that genre. So yeah. like overall, I'd say my, you know, spoiler free mm-hmm. review is if you're a fan of slasher movies, you're going to really enjoy Hellbent. If mm-hmm. you don't like slasher movies, this isn't going to be the one to change your mind about the genre. Yeah. yeah. As, as far as the people starring in this movie, they're not in a ton of stuff. Uh, Dylan Fergus, who's the main mm-hmm. character, is probably most notable for being in 227 episodes of the daytime soap opera Passions, which is basically every other daytime soap opera, but with magic, if you guys have never seen that. I haven't. Um, oh, I have delightful. not. Yeah, uh, it also stars Brian Kirkwood, Hank Harris, who was in Once Upon a Time a bunch as Dr. Jekyll, um, Andrew Levitas, who had like a recurring role on Party of Five, and Matt Phillips, who is impossible to look up because his name is Matt Phillips, um, but has, <laughs> has done very little in the way of, of acting uh, beyond you know, a couple of films that he did around this time. Um, and the IMDb summary of this is something around uh, four queer male roommates uh, head out to West Hollywood Halloween Carnival for a night of debauchery, but they are followed by an extremely ripped devil. I added the extremely ripped because it's important <laughs> to the plot, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> who is out to collect devil their heads. Devil is high. So ripped. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this guy, I feel like, give the Tim Curry devil from Legend a run for his money for, like, ripped devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. There is no motivation for this villain, which I think is really the right call. Yeah, yeah totally. And I definitely think that this devil is what Ryan Murphy's wet dream was before he even created all of like the American Horror Story and all of that stuff. Like this was the blueprint. This feels very Ryan Murphy in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeremy, did you add this bit about the uh, devil from legend or was that? Yeah, I, I added that in. Okay, I'm just double checking. <laughs> Yeah, I, I added all the bits about the devil being obnoxiously ripped in this movie to the to the summary um, because they they talk about that constantly in this movie. Are we sure about that adverb? Is it obnoxiously or is it appreciably ripped? <laughs> yes, I mean obnoxiously for me because I'm like I would that would be nice. That would be really nice if I had that kind of six pack. I'm like really into that. You know, he doesn't um, need a sickle to cut people. He could just use his abs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, did anyone have? There's a moment when we first meet Devil Daddy where our main character Eddie goes, "Look, it's a knife." Did anyone else scream at their TV? That's a sickle, Eddie. That's a sickle. That's a sickle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a knife. <laughs> not even the murder weapons in this movie are straight (laughs) (laughs) um okay as far as the scare level on this guys where would you put it uh spoopy as in not scary spooky as in a little scary terrifying as in very scary or just generally existentially disconcerting spoopy if uh, you're okay with eyeball stuff, spooky. I mean, I would say if you have some issues with eyeball stuff, then you know <laughs> you ought to look out. Um, but there, it's generally spooky. I would say uh, scary. I would say, I mean, I feel like it edges to spooky, but I feel like it's still like it keeps it grounded enough. And I feel like this main group of characters is likable enough, is like likable and engaging enough that mm-hmm. it is like scary and sad you know when they meet their Mm -hmm. untimely end uh everything about toby made me think this was going to be existentially terrifying but 
boy, did this movie zig where I thought it was going to zag in some really interesting, unexpected ways mm-hmm. that I will, I'm going to get way into when we get there. Please do. I am really interested in hearing feedback about this because there's a lot, I mean, especially with this, this killer who is just a force. There's nothing, there's no real motivation. Um, and you know the, the the situation and everything there's a there's a lot that we can probably unpack and i would love to yeah i'm so as, excited as far as the level of scared i mean the eye trauma is is one thing yeah i think otherwise it's a little it's kind of in the spooky range for me uh if nothing else because ever since ever since i watched the first season of killing eve i'm terrified of somebody stabbing me in a club and me not being able to get out and just bleeding to death <laughs> in the middle of a crowded club I love um, that death. I really yeah. want that character to come back as a ghost to haunt Jeez. like Eve. Because if somebody killed me and I told my best friend to avenge me, and then she started dating my murderer. <laughs> Spoilers. I would be a miffed ass ghost. Uh, uh, no, I guess the the question, I think this relates a little bit to what you were saying about uh, Toby, is uh, what... What trigger warnings would we we give people going into this movie? Definitely um, a lot of unfortunate uh, slurs in this movie. Yeah, that of... was one thing I had written down was yeah. the like, yeah, the F slur, which for me, I don't, I, I, it doesn't ever really bother me, but I definitely know that that bothers some people. So there's, I definitely always want to tell people that one's in there. Yeah, yeah. it's never used in a hateful context, but right. it is. I know just like the existence of it is a triggering element. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a real 50-50 thing on the slurs because yeah. you have upsetting slurs against gay men being said by people in the community. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're being attacked at that point. Right. Uh, they do use some yeah. questionable language yeah. around trans people. Um, that, yeah. It's, yeah, that's... And mm. it's... Again, I have a whole lot of thoughts about Toby and femininity, but this is, uh, you know, a cis, this is a scene of a cis man saying a whole lot of transphobic slur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of that written down too, and it does have the the conception of relating gender to genitalia and conflating all of that and this is very much a movie made by cis gay men Mm -hmm. for cis gay men and they fumble through a lot of the of the rest of it so that's a really important thing to know going into it for sure feels very which cis gay men not being like that feels true to my non-binary expect experiences (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's say also specifically, and this is definitely something that'll come up, cis white gay men. Right. Yeah. Yes. That is one of my biggest critiques is that the movie is so white. And I had read that the filmmakers are like, oh, we we wanted to cast people of color. We had a casting call and no one showed up. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. but like how hard did you try? You yeah. Know, that's always my question afterwards. But like, I wasn't there, but that's very much what, what my brain is at. That mean you held a casting call. Like, did you just put right. up like like uh, some flyers around Hollywood and be like, minorities, please apply. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, and also, like, what person of color would actually apply to that? Like, that yeah. just feels weird at that point. I don't trust you. <laughs> and then yeah, to whatever was... degree, it's a state in Hollywood that you have white actors feeling, oh, I can play gay and this won't harm my career versus mm-hmm. um, 
actors of color feeling like, oh no, how, like I have it tough enough. I don't need to be typecast as like a queer person of color on top of like mm-hmm. the yeah. uphill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, there's a note on the IMDb that's a bit problematic because it's definitely like, well, they wanted more people of color, but nobody would show up. Well. And that just kind of implying some weird homophobia, which I'm like, I don't, I don't. Um, putting the onus on actors of color to. Yeah, cast- exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, it's their fault. They just didn't want to be in our movie. Oh, like, what? yeah. So, I okay, mean, like- I don't know if that was from the, the directors. Like, I don't know who, who mm-hmm. um, cast that particular angle on that bit of trivia but um i mean that's what it says on the imdb page and i didn't really look too far too much farther into it because i was kind of put off by it i did um, see some of the quotes where it was like oh well we wrote all the characters as being of any ethnicity and then it just turns out we cast all white people and it's like okay you could have cast somebody as being a specific like minority identity and put out a specific casting call for that mm-hmm. yeah like mm-hmm. that was your choice to be like open to everyone including all the white people yeah it also it always ends up with uh, the idea or conception that white is the default and everything else verges from there um yeah. which we know is not the case but we don't often see that another not to pivot so far from this topic but another trigger warning that i did want to put out was for flashing lights there is a really mm. big very long sequence that happens in the nightclub where there's a flashing lights for a couple of minutes it, la- it lasts for a long time i wasn't able to properly track the time there but that happens around the second act i feel like that whole scene though like the idea of it oh we're gonna do a strobe killer murder scene and then in execution it just ends up being really dark and super hard to follow and they're like yeah well the club stopped doing strobe lights and we only had that one shot so i guess we have to move on to the next scene we've <laughs> only we've only got the one night of film let's fucking go that'll <laughs> right. be good it's good enough it's good enough <laughs> i mean yeah. i don't know if that was the youtube quality that also mm. you know it, in this case did not do it any favors but um no but it's just it's a Maybe if there was like, it's a very specific scene because it's really the only time in the movie where the action is hard to follow. Yeah. I did. I have seen this movie once before in much better quality because I was watching an old DVD that someone had had. And I do remember the quality in that scene being better as in I could tell more what was happening versus now where I'm just like, what's going on here? But the idea of someone who is on ecstasy in a nightclub being <laughs> murdered and the glitter and the blood, like, oh God, that's one yeah. of my favorite scenes. Uh, it's a, it, again, like, uh, even if the actually is most like on paper, it's a killer horror death concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when he looks down, he's just like, oh no, I'm being murdered. <laughs> it, gives me, <laughs> right, it gives me such big Mercutio vibes where he's oh. like, tis but a scratch. Let me just keep dancing. Everything's fine. I think he was more disappointed that his abs were obstructed and you can't really yeah. see them now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So for that particular character, do you think they wrote up a bio or do you think they were just like, is bi? On to the next character. Yeah. <laughs> Token by. Yep. Their name is Chaz and they're by. It was it. so interesting <laughs> seeing the bi stereotypes from the gay community side. And how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, but, yeah we'll, we'll get to that very shortly here. So uh, let's, let's hold at the end of the non spoilery section. 
uh, and and jump in full on to this from the beginning. Um, My respect for the non-spoiler section remains tenuous at best. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've spoiled so many things oh. already. <laughs> oh, no worries. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, people die, you know. <laughs> Which is just true in life and in horror. It, it's a gay slasher there's a spoiler. Movie. Like, there, <laughs> like there's people who get slashed. People who get slashed. There's a nightclub, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so let's talk about this opening scene. Um, it starts with some uh, guys running through the woods with balloons. Just some um, good old-fashioned woodsy balloon running. Halloween yeah, balloons like for mom. A thing that totally exists. I guess I for mean, some reason this movie could only rent one place to park a car. Um, <laughs> mysteriously and for no reason in the same place in two different scenes. Like, where is this balloon store that they had to walk through the woods with the balloons? <laughs> okay. And up, come, up, up wasn't out yet by this time, right? <laughs> no, uh, no, have up yet. Okay. It, this isn't Decades like later. It, this isn't like it where it's like, oh, the balloons form some sort of symbolism, discretion shot. Like, I have to imagine they're just like, okay, we need this one guy to be sticking his head out the window during the blowjob scene. Why would he possibly have his head out? Oh, because he's tall. What if the guys? What if the uh, balloon? What if the car was just full of balloons? <laughs> I thought it was a creative, colorful choice, and also maybe they have a thing for rubbery. Right, it is. Yeah. I I really liked it. I just kind of wish that there was more reason for it. If the balloons had been a theme or like a motif or just something in there, uh, but it's straight up just. Halloween balloons for mom, and <laughs> like and, you do, <laughs> Royal listeners. as you do, and um, <laughs> it gets in the way of my blowjob. So I'm going to lean my half a body out the window. Royal listeners, if you happen to have a gay balloon foot fetish, <laughs> holy <laughs> shit, do I have the movie for yeah. you? <laughs> you don't even have to go to Pornhub for that, which. Yeah, this this scene kept reminding me of the jerk and like that scene where he's getting shot at and it's hitting the oil cans and he's like, they hate the oil cans. They're trying to shoot the oil. <laughs> just fucking up balloons all over the place. I was like, why are the balloons here at all? Um, that must have been so annoying to film. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why? Why are we doing this? Yeah, it's two guys pretending that- to fuck and a cameraman in this thing full of balloons. Oh, just- it is an auditory nightmare. Like rubber yeah. together. And you're also being tickled. Like that's oh like my a God. specific circle like, of hell for me. I feel so bad because like I feel like these actors are truly trying to just give like the steamiest performance they can, and they are being legitimately bothered and distracted. It's <laughs> like full of balloons. Filming in a ball pit, you know. It is a holy shit, a sex scene in a ball pit. God, <laughs> every gross. time you oh, it's just so actor, yeah, it's actor boot camp at that point. Yeah. yeah, all I can assume is that one of these guys pissed off the writer-director at some point. And so they had, to, they had to try and do this in this thing full of balloons. Um, what are your specific first? <laughs> yeah, finally, like, uh, in, order, in order to make this work out, uh, this guy decides to lean backwards out the open window of this car. Which, again, has to be the purpose of the balloons. And they then just worked backwards and rewrote mm. the opening once they came Listen, up with that. They were popping off. <laughs> you can find my work on uh, no. Net, on Twitter. No. He's an artist. 
Oh, I'm an artist. <laughs> I was a missed opportunity is when the remaining guy is like still like trying to hide, and you do, if you didn't just hear like again, they didn't do anything with the balloon. It's not like it's like pop, pop, right. pop, like getting like faster or louder from the speed. They're just there to make sex awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do it's wonder like at kids. the version of this movie that has the the symbolic balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be great. I think the symbolic balloon could totally be in there. We got, you know, rubber, carnival. We've got, you know, different things going on. It could, it could work. Another uh, bit of symbolism that I, I love the detail of the characters' names are George and Michael. this is george and michael but i think that if we if we did it i I really think that's really all that it is but if there was ever a version or any symbolism with these balloons it would just humanize the villain too much and the whole point is just he's just a force of nature we have no idea about him so there there really can't there's no room for symbolism okay you say it humanizes him check this He's looming there, and you think like, okay, he's looming, but he doesn't have a sickle. Fucking in comes the sickle, floating right. in on a bunch of balloons. They <laughs> pop, they pop. Sickle falls. He just catches it without even like looking. Thorn, you know, just catches it. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, this motherfucker controls balloons. <laughs> yeah, he's also rubber daddy. He's also yeah. like, they're doing the like guy is creeping by, but they don't notice thing. He's creeping way too close to this fucking car for like the guy hanging out or not to see yeah. or hear him. Yeah. Yeah. And then be fair, when I'm getting a blowjob, I don't realize yeah. any. Yeah. Except it's true. Yeah, I mean, one, one second you're getting head, the next one you're getting your head cut off. So <laughs> you gain head, you lose head. I will say that if oh. the balloons are a thing, he's uh, no longer a devil daddy and he's just wearing the rubber suit. That's all it is. And he cuts even it more so strongly and yeah, quickly that I guess none of the pipes close and Eddie just being this weird ass true crime podcast host giving he's us weird. more info than we asked for or wanted. <laughs> I want to hear Eddie try you um, do a, okay. I want to hear Eddie do a podcast that is both true crime and him trying to hit on dudes. <laughs> Which is basically this is what movie. it starts as. Yeah, yeah. We, we go from this opening scene to him uh, in the precinct or whatever, and he's just a small fry who wants to be a cop. And he asks, they, they tell him about the case and because he's a member of the community. Like, did, hey, you're gay. Do you know any of these people? Yeah, did they anyone, all know each other. Okay, <laughs> I have to ask, did anyone not realize until like an hour in that, like until they started very explicitly talking about it, that Eddie wasn't a cop? It took me, it yes. took me a good minute. My yeah. first time, yeah. The second yeah. time it was there, he asks, can I wear my dad's uniform whenever mm-hmm. they tell him to f- hand out flyers for, like, safety warnings. That, But I had to get that my second time to really see how they layered that in there. Eddie endures so much homophobia and sexual harassment in the workplace. Mm-hmm. But yeah. from his own fucking sister. Mm-hmm. Like, he's downloading, like, her photos. Like, again, his job, I guess, is... I guess the Gina Linetti of this particular precinct. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought he was the IT guy. He's free IT. Is he IT? Okay. I had no idea who he was. Would there be IT thinking that this movie is definitely in 1987 and not 2004? (laughs) It absolutely was. 
fucking his sister, like he's just printing documents that I assume he needs to be printing for his job. And his sister describes like, oh, is this your jerk off material? <laughs> what the fuck, sis? That's not appropriate workplace banter. Yeah. Also, should he be looking at these? Is there no code of conduct? Okay, he is given. He is given, and then gives out class or like whatever the cop version of classified information is. <laughs> right. Willy-nilly. Yeah. Did yeah. anyone else get really weird Norman Bates vibes from him the first time around watching it? Because yes. his whole like, I want to wear my dad's clothes and pretend I'm a cop, and like walking <laughs> around being all weird and giving people really graphic information i was like this guy has something going on he's got to be the killer okay and when we say i want to wear my dad's like uniform if you haven't seen it if you're not imagining a stripper cop outfit (laughs) start imagining a stripper cop outfit my theory my theory is that this this guy's dad eddie's dad is was just a stripper he was never on the force well that's the thing is that he like he doesn't wear the badge. He wears like a ho- like a costume badge on his cop uniform. So that's where and and that's the thing is that okay. So in our our Twitter conversation before I watched the movie, I was looking at this banter between Jeremy and Ben talking about oh was his dad a stripper? Oh yeah, his dad was a stripper. And I thought they were like totally serious. And so I'm like oh, and then I got really confused. Like wait a minute, why would a stripper have a gun? <laughs> Why wouldn't a stripper have a gun? I mean, it's, it's Hollywood, man. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, like, but the, why would it be in with the uniform? I don't know. But, like, now it makes sense. It's so. Officer Longbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, that's that podcast wine working its magic. There you go. Uh, yeah, so he, he, puts, he leaves everything else, including the gun, which might be useful, but uh, decides he's going to take the handcuffs and the shirt. Um, well, to be fair, you shouldn't need a gun for putting up flyers. No. True. That's not an activity you traditionally need to be armed for. Especially if you are not actually a police officer and have a, like a, like a license to do. I mean, I don't know. 2004 was whack. I don't yeah, know what's going I'm on. I'm pro, like, does anyone need to be armed? But, like, especially this guy did not need to be yeah. armed for especially any reason. The, especially this person who is a who, as we will later find out, should not only not a trained law enforcement, uh, even among lay people, should especially not have a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll later find out the explanation for him having this obsession with the police without being a cop is that he wanted to be a cop like his dad, but he damaged his eye um, and, and has, like, depth perception issues, so he can't, like, all we hear gun is and... a pipe accident, so I can only imagine a dude straight up like poked his like eye out with a dick. With a dick. <laughs> yeah, There's a yeah. Eye joke there somewhere. I'll find, <laughs> I'll find like that, that's it. That's all we get. It was like I was messing up some pipe, and then I woke up and my eye was gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the I, I feel like that can't be accidental. The like, oh yeah, I got my eye got put out by some pipe is like, like the script is very playful with its dialogue. Yeah, it is. It's like, so from what I understand, um, none of these actors, uh, or at least the ones with IMDb with like Wikipedia pages are openly queer, but there's something like, and I think you can tell, I think this comes from the writing and the directing. It's still like the movie and the characters and their interactions and their banter, it all reads 
I think I thought pretty uh, effectively and authentically as like a queer mm-hmm. friend group. Absolutely. Yeah. There is the joke where, so he's disastrous at trying to pick anyone up. His opening pickup line is, two guys got murdered last night. <laughs> I, I had that in my notes. I and had then, that in my notes. Right, it's, it's like, like it's, oh, it's the worst pickup line. The That's, worst pickup line. And then later on when he's, you know, flirting with this guy after he tells him, you know, I couldn't pass the physical because I had an eye injury because I can't shoot a gun. The guy goes, well, I just wanted to see you shoot your shot because you're terrible at doing either, apparently. Well, I do appreciate <laughs> that motorcycle man jake when eddie says like i didn't pass the physical like jay's like are you fucking kidding me like fucking look Look at at you you. yeah your physique is what he thought when i was watching this the first time i had like i thought it was strange how much time they were spending on eddie being really bad at throwing things into a trash can (laughs) uh i looking back i'm like oh that was actually effective foreshadowing of like yeah. of all yeah. that and how did y'all feel i thought the way overall the way the movie handled eddie's disability i thought was really well done and, res- and very respectful yeah and at least no i didn't see any obvious red flags at least i don't know i mean he's very very it's very subtle you know but it's there um it, his the special effects are good and good enough that i thought i mean also youtube quality video you know um, I was convinced for a moment that he actually had a glass eye, but um, the the effects are pretty good, at least in the YouTube version. <laughs> the yeah. scene with the sickle against the eye mm. is the, the final best. Yeah. It's the yeah. best shot in the whole movie. Yeah. yeah Eddie's, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I am always pretty hesitant when it comes to any sort of physical disability thing going on in film as a chronic ill person i'm always like okay here comes the disability like the the ableism here we go but it did not feel that way and it also was um yeah i think it was just handled pretty naturally because it's just something that coincidentally happened to him based on an accident and it's never it's a point in the film in which he needs to be able to overcome so it's it's an issue for him because he can't throw things into trash cans and um but the but the main issue being the end where you know it's a big face-off and he has to be able to save him and his you know motorcycle jake's life it never felt as if it was um there was no magical cure there was no like oh my god suddenly he's great again so it felt it felt it felt natural it didn't feel horrible yeah and when he does motorcycle jake this is actually where we meet motorcycle jake who's uh, right who is in the hottest possible fashion getting a tattoo Um, i wrote down fellas is it gay to want to lick the blood dripping off the hottie being tattooed the blood (laughs) lovingly the slow-mo blood drop lovingly (laughs) tracing his back muscles oh yeah Yeah. and his fixation and he's like oh uh uh." Um, without tattoos is that how it goes or i'll ask my partner (laughs) eddie just with the like notice me super hot tattoo senpai Um, I also read there was a, a little tidbit about how there was the woman at the, the register in the tattoo parlor was uh, also in the band, the, the punk band. She's, that I believe- she's the singer for the, cool. the opening. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. oh my re- God, that's awesome. The opening I, song is so good. Yeah, yes, I really love that whole opening credit sequence. I thought yeah. that was wonderful. It yeah, is the <laughs> Lifetime problems. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's okay. I was just kidding. The, the music in this movie is great. 
The soundtrack is great. The opening song is Lifetime Problems by Texas Terry and the Stiff Ones. Yes. Texas, yes. So that is Texas Terry at the front desk. Every playlist. <laughs> Did anyone else get like head kind of B-sides? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is where he, he attempts to pick up Motorcycle Jake by telling him the two guys died last night. Um, Which I got to be honest. <laughs> this felt almost sapphic trying to hit on someone with right i'm like this is some disastrous lesbian stuff yeah, going like, on here yeah i'm like for, exactly i just think uh, he overshares when he's nervous which is you yeah know, it's pretty i guess pretty think, fair. uh trans femme gender euphoria is watching the snl murder show skit and just feeling very seen <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and to follow up this this scene of him being awkward, we meet the person who is the the polar opposite of of his uh, awkward babiness, which is his roommate Chaz. Um, that wacky bye, <laughs> that wacky old bye, wacky bye. Who we meet as he's having sex with a couple in a van out in front of their house. The woman who who comes out swears that she's 18 she really wants to emphasize that she's at least 18 which oof. a little potential statutory threesome is what we got going on with Chaz See, yeah, yeah that was a big like uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. Let's um, be, I'm like a trigger warning for that one maybe and let's just, the movie gives us nothing no reason to believe that isn't exactly as bad as we think it is yeah right that's the main that's the main takeaway there is i was like she sounds like she's not 18 is the point of this joke it's not like we can say like okay i know it's it seems sketchy but we see the rest of the movie we know that's not something chaz would do god that's something yo that's something chaz would absolutely do (sighs) yeah chaz has literally one redeeming moment in this whole movie um, and it's only witnessed by one person who dies almost immediately afterwards. This well, entire- he almost, <laughs> almost has a redeeming moment and then he totally biffs it. Like- the entire plot of this movie hinges on Chaz being the worst fucking part, like just making the worst fucking parking spot in the world. <laughs> if Chaz just fucking parks like a normal person, this whole movie doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, Chaz is definitely like the most, well, I don't know if I'd call him the most extra, but he is certainly very extra. I have Um, a lot of feelings about really them going to the woods and you know what, it's going to tie into thoughts about Toby when we get to Toby. Okay. Well, Yeah, so we we get to Toby shortly because when we we get into the diner here where uh, we have Joey who is working, who is the, somehow more he's somehow more baby than our already present baby eddie he's like he's incredibly nervous and awkward but about one particular guy who i guess jo- it was the joey is player? yeah joey, or something i feel like joey is specifically mm-hmm. like, is like nerd twink and then eddie's got that like twunk thing going on like he's got he's got that farm boy that like yeah. cool farmer boy like thing going on where yeah you know, i mean really eddie is specifically that- a final girl like eddie is virginal and hopeless and much more interested in like books and and things like that than like sex but also is really interested in this bad boy that he, he meets right at the beginning yeah i think that <laughs> eddie, um, is, eddie is a gay ingenue yeah. <laughs> Eddie's going for nice, you know, g- nice boy meets bad boy. Mm-hmm. 
Joey's putting all in on the Jock Times nerdship. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit mad about Joey. Just for very Joey. Mad about Joey. Like his character, his costume, or his ending. His ending. Mm-hmm. Um his I I like the slutty armor costume that he had on. With the jeans. With the yeah. jeans and also a leather baker's hat. Yeah. <laughs> that costume was all over the place. Did, could anyone else just was anyone else just unable to not see just the ADHD twink from the first Fast and Furious movie when they looked at Joey? Yes, from the face mouse, I think his name was. Yeah. Yeah, it is the it was the ADHD twink from Fast and the Furious, but he got dressed in Ryan Murphy's closet. Like yeah. whose yeah. name I know is Jesse, and I choose to refer to him as ADHD twink. <laughs> I think love... Mouse is the Matrix one. Yes. <laughs> yes. I want to be dressed in Ryan Murphy's closet. <laughs> well, I still, you know, give me the Matrix cut they didn't film where Switch is actually trans or gender fluid. However, yeah. they <laughs> All right, so I am just going to like lob this one out there because this is where we introduce Toby and you guys go. (laughs) (laughs) So I love the head turn moment when Toby walks in as an absolute bombshell dressed in like an old Hollywood Marilyn Monroe style outfit and, you know, goes up to his table of friends and is like, touch the, don't touch the tits, but you can feel the ass all you want. And, <laughs> and it it's, but it's like the joke, right? So like one of these parts is real and the other one isn't. Um, and the idea that, so he, so Toby is a model and he like a Amber Crombie and Fitch Hollister style model. And mm-hmm. he's a sex symbol and people treat him as such. He knows he is. He's got like a giant billboard with his face and his abs all over it. And the idea that he is a sex symbol that wants a day off. And so he dresses as a sex symbol, but for a different gender, like that just didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, you still look really hot. I don't understand. <laughs> You're still really sexy. Uh, Toby looks amazing. 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 Yeah. I'm like drooling. I'm like, wow. I, yeah. again, it is so, so rare that I see something on screen that like, even if it's not what they're overtly going for, I'm like, yeah, that feels like mm-hmm. my gender identity. I'm like, yeah, go for like, try to be as in shape as you can and then just go high fam. Like, fucking a yeah hell yeah toby i love it like just go like just go full on amazon <laughs> glamazon like glamorous oh, yeah. like in a like, full sequin maxi dress with the little uh, uh so i felt so seen by toby like i love toby like i feel like I just felt like and maybe this is just me overly projecting onto toby but i feel like there was real femininity there that he was starting to explore mm-hmm. and find. Yeah. And there's moments of what seems like real gender euphoria and the mm-hmm. tragedy of Toby is that it's society that kind of, that's like, it's like even just the queer community's rejection of his gender, not of a gender non-conforming presentation mm-hmm. of like his budding femininity that tragically that because i was so weird i'm like i know there's no way toby can make it through this movie how are you gonna like how is this gonna happen without me feeling awful 
Because mm-hmm. I feel like I was, I was good. Like I had warning lights. I'm like, oh God, like what about Toby's femininity is going to be mm-hmm. what gets him killed? Mm-hmm. And then when it ended up being this tragic rejection of his femininity, mm-hmm. that was his fatal flaw. I'm like, whoa. Well, I think that with Toby, I mean, he's definitely, I I read it as him really at first, you know, he was presenting it like a costume, but he was really engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was sort of hiding his real uh, association and his real identity um, that was leaning towards the femme. Going um, all in on a women presented Halloween costume. Never been a sign or a lead to anything <laughs> to anyone ever. Right, but that's the thing is that it's you know he's already part of this queer community and it's it this feels like it's his first time. Be him being a mm-hmm. model, and it's the first time that he goes all in. And then you know he's a he is a sex symbol as a man, mm-hmm. but you know he he um is identified with uh male sexuality and all this kind of stuff. And I really. I, I think that there's a lot to unpack there with him um, going all in on this and then being out of his depth a little bit in terms of like really understanding what it meant for him and, and being self-confident about it, you know? And I think that that's, um, it, it's interesting too, because it's also juxtaposed with Joey wearing like the, the leather gear and being like stuck in it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. also being like, I don't know. And even though like Joe, Joey is just emanating like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be cute, but I don't know. I guess it's my first time wearing a, just a the, the, the bottomest of bottom was, energy. For yeah, the perfect impression. Yeah, and then Toby is super, super powerful, but mm-hmm. he, he's still like I think he really has this this aspect to himself that is now vulnerable because right. he's going all in. So scene um, where. He is objectified by what's it like by straight men or like straight mm-hmm. presenting yeah. it. And I'm just like, yeah, fucking it feels gross, don't it, Toby? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been there. It sucks. I want to give you a hug. So much of Toby's power is Toby being empowered by embracing his femininity mm-hmm. and then disempowered by everyone else rejecting it or making it the butt of a joke. And Toby has my entire heart as this um, character who I totally agree with Ben. And um, it's just so hard to watch that, that final scene where yeah. it's the rejection of the femininity that is Toby's doom. Uh, and also the, the journey of, of wanting so bad to be desired and wanting to be validated, but not just validated because you're desired, validated because you're desired for who you truly are. And the scene with the billboard behind him where he asks a, you know, a passerby to take a picture of him dressed in, dressed in drag, like so, so femme. And then behind him is the billboard that he's on. And it's, it's this moment that I feel so strongly for, because it's almost like Toby saying like, Hey, that on the billboard that's me but this right in front of you all this femme is also me can you accept me from both all of me and the 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 sad part is that toby's not identified for toby when toby's in i form. Yeah. i love that scene um 
A, because it leads to arguably the funniest line of the whole movie <laughs> when he goes, I look like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's like, there's the element of like, you know, he's, he says he wants to be like a preacher for like his mind or personality, but still like this femininity he seems yeah. to want to be appreciated for. And, you know, having kind of been just thinking about kind of, you know, how, even though it was only, it's only been kind of like a, I guess maybe it's different because, you know, my transition has been a social one, something a little more similar to what kind of Toby is doing um, here. And, uh, you know, being desired for who you really are is so, so much more impactful and empowering desired for who you feel like you're pretending to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and it, project it, too, also onto Toby. I felt very deeply as someone who was you know, wrongly assumed and going into my, I always felt aversion when I was just desired for men and not mm. like the of myself. Like my heart went out to Toby wanting desired more their masculinity as well. Toby yeah. just break that character just breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. The the really nice thing about this movie being set, I mean, you know, all the, with all gay or queer uh, main characters and in this sort of um, very specific scene it really does get into a lot more of the detail of what it is like to be in that scene and the, uh, you know, the, the issues within, you know, when you're uh, identified or you, your people identify you or desire you as um, a cis white dude um, or, well, cis dude in this case. (laughs) and people are identifying thinking, you as a cis white dude. That's a whole other vision problem thing they got going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, th- I'm just thinking like how everybody in this movie is a, is a cis white dude, but um, uh, that has speaking rules. But um, it's it it does speak to those uh, you know, the, um, some realities of the scene that not a lot of other movie. I mean, the only other the other thing I've really seen that discusses that is like queer as folk as like a, a show or a, a form of media. Um, and this, <laughs> this movie really brings that forward um, while also being a slasher movie, which, and somehow doesn't make it like entirely problematic, <laughs> which is kind of an amazing um, accomplishment. I, I think that it's not, it doesn't feel problematic. Speak thoroughness of this. Like, yeah. you know, we talk about mm-hmm. how, Oh, it's not that when when it comes to the barrier gaze trope, I feel like once you a lot of the discussion is oh, it's not that we don't want to never see queer characters die. It's we want stories where there's so many queer characters that mm-hmm. killing off one isn't killing off all of your queer representation. And so it comes to like if your if your premise is it's going to be a gay slasher film, then I feel like you you know you're it comes with the territory of your movie is going to be so thoroughly gay that you're going to be able to kill off a bunch of gay characters and still have a hundred percent gay representation in your main cast. Yeah. Yeah. I think Toby is, is an interestingly complex character because this movie otherwise does not feel like it is capable of discussing any sort of like trans or non-binary issues, but then yeah. like sort of the way Toby's character develops he feels almost like, you know, at the beginning, it feels like he is a, a gay guy making a joke 
out of you know being in drag and then mm -hmm. as the night progresses it's like oh maybe it's not a joke and mm -hmm. like he's mm -hmm. it feels like he's realizing that never been yeah. never been there yeah sure <laughs> i'll wear this flowery crown for a, <laughs> it makes me feel pretty what a joke <laughs> this won't lead to anything yeah, the joke is totally the entry point for the beginning of the identity discovery. And then that's really solidified in the moment where Toby talks to, I believe um, it, there was a, another trans woman, well, a trans woman that was next to Toby. We don't really know much about this character, but they have an exchange where Toby says, for once I would love someone to want me for what's in my head and not like in my pants. And to, the response is amen, sister. And I, I was expecting Toby to react negatively to being called sister because the whole time it's like, I'm still trying to figure out, is this a joke to Toby or is this something that Toby's really experiencing? And then Toby's response to to embrace that and be kind of um, touched by that, be feel seen, made me realize, okay, there's definitely something deeper here. And that's when it just, ooh, it really gets you. There's a lot of like, even if it's not like full on scenes, it's only like B-roll footage of Toby finding other, uh, you know, women, trans women, gender non-conforming people. And you see these moments of just connection and sisterhood that he's absolutely experiencing. And, you know, when he's kind of th throwing down his license and taking off the dress, like, and he's saying like, oh, I'm really this, it doesn't feel like he's saying, like, that's actually what he is. It feels like this tragic moment of defeat that it feels like he retreated out of his shell and has now just felt like, the only way he can get the love he still wants is to go back to pretend, pretending to be what he doesn't feel like. Mm -hmm. And it's, ah, oh, this isn't, this is meant to be, this, I feel like this movie is meant to just be like a fun, super queer slasher film. But God damn, if everything about Toby isn't just so, so tragedy laden. It feels in a lot of ways like, a like a super straight film that is making a joke about being gay that hits a little too close to home like in the story that they're stumbling on something and they don't realize it and it feels like the trans equivalent of that for this extremely gay movie that otherwise is not like capable of handling these issues yeah yeah also when they park at the when they finally park outside the woods because Chaz is like i want to check out the murder spot because that's a totally normal thing after driving and changing into his costume. His costume, by the way, is Magic Mike eight years before Magic Mike came yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course, of course, Chaz is the one driving the car and also changing at the same time. Of course, because he's bi and all us bi's are just recklessly irresponsible. Chaotic bi people. Yes. And that's something too, is I, what I think is really interesting. So each character goes off during the course of the night and they have their own experience in the carnival, in their world. And so much of Toby's experience is finding community within community. Mm -hmm. And so much of Chaz's experience is just fucking whoever comes near because that's what bisexual people do. He has a <laughs> all the drugs and fucking whoever's nearby. <laughs> he has a line where he's just like snorting a line of coke off of like a woman's uh, chest. And he just is like, you got to try this. And I have in my notes like, 
what do you mean jazz the coke or the tits yeah. <laughs> it's just that, it's that jazz voice, yes. not tragic no tragedy at all with two jazz <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jazz is is not complex in the least um yeah so they they uh they get there they park they decide to walk through the woods which, which uh, they Toby shouldn't. is not into no, of course he isn't. He's in heels. What fucking rude. Heels. Yes, you rude. piece of shit. Why are you making your friend walk you through the woods in heels? What is and wrong with you? They're not just heels. They're like platform stiletto heels. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to Toby, They're- this is obviously like his first real run with these specific mm-hmm. kinds of shoes. And he's like, I, he says, I spent $300 to look this pretty. I, yeah, he spent three hundred dollars on a joke. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. a total joke. Exactly. Not taking this gender presentation seriously at all. Just gonna drop fucking three hundred. Three hundred dollars, and his friend calls his wig cheap, and he's like, "This is expensive." Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a really expensive prank on all of you. <laughs> but no, there's also a line before that before they leave, which is uh, I think I believe it's Chaz says to Toby, "You look so butch," and I'm like. I don't think I've ever seen a, like a butch person in a sequin ball gown with stiletto heels. I would love to. I'm sure. I'm sure there are. But like that term no. was such an interesting term, which was like it just solidified the fact that his friends were like, "You look yeah. like you know, you, you don't look femme to me." It's in yeah. Here. Which he does. He looks absolutely femme. Absolutely femme. Straight femme. Oh my God. That is straight up muscle femme. And if that's not the moodest of moods. Right. right? Yeah. And it's it's very much like Toby comes into this with the, like putting out the energy of this is a joke guys. And then when everybody's like, ha, it's a joke. He's like, not funny. (laughs) Don't laugh. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you know what joke means, Toby. Toby is definitely the main character in my rewrite of Hellbent. Same, same, same. Toby is the main character. And for me, Eddie is actually the killer. There's just no way the character whose entire motivation is wants to be a cop gets to be like the protagonist in my script. Right, right. He's not, I I feel like Eddie as projected in this movie is not nearly enough of a bastard for that to be his character. (laughs) That's probably why he couldn't do it. I mean, no. it wasn't just the the. Sorry, sorry, you didn't pass the bastard thing. test. The only, the only. It's told him it was the eye. God, Listen, no, the only. I mean, the cops we do see, we have a homophobic sister and homophobic. All you gays know each other, right, Captain? <sighs> and Maybe that's why there weren't many more people of color auditioning for roles because the main character is wanted he the to one for a cop. Is fucking is homophobic oh, right. police captain yes. the only character of color in the movie? There's oh, some Lord. characters in the background. Oh, and yeah, then there's the girl at the. Um, they don't the, count. They're not even paid extra. Like they just roles. showed up to yeah. carnival. There's the, the girl that lives with them that's also in the diner. There is the yeah, right. She her, but then there is also the I moment where a, a, a um I believe a, I I don't know a, a trans woman or a character in drag. We don't know anything about this person, but it is a person of color who walks past Toby, not Toby Eddie, and says, "Oh, I love a man in blue." So all the people in, of color in this <laughs> film are totally supportive of cops. So like a group of black women yeah. that like we see Toby bond with in B roll footage. Yeah, right. and yeah. they're all like, "Yeah, man in uniform." Woo, woo. so it's like oh no well, no, no, that, this was, no this was movie? just 
No, this is a this was this is that carnival with Toby where it's just like sisterhood and Toby's oh, like oh, Toby. right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 There is a moment too with, with Eddie Joey, where Eddie, Toby, way too many character names in this movie end with e- Daddy, like Devil Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so too, too much, much too much E names. Too much. I mean, it's I not like, this- though, that there's any history of, like, problems between people of color and the cops in L.A., right? <laughs> no. Not uh, that apparently whites as gay men are aware of. Look, I, are you saying that there might be racism in the white cis gay community? What? Ah. <laughs> uh. I will say nobody in this I, cast would swipe right on me. Oh, Ch- Chaz would. You know yeah, Chaz, Chaz would. would. Chaz, Chaz totally would. Chaz, Chaz totally would. I mean, to go back to kind of to, to kind of go back to Toby's uh, untimely demise indirectly, I do appreciate about Devil Daddy how completely accepting he is of like trans and non-binary and like all gender non-conforming like presentation. Like he is out for cis gay dudes, and he takes one look at Toby. He's like, "Nope, you don't fit the bill." <laughs> like we talked about, like we talked about Bit. How I didn't know how I would be if I was a character in Bit. I know exactly how I'd be in Hell Bent. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a hundred percent safe Good in this scenario as long as you don't moon the devil. Well, Toby yeah. does. Yeah, that's Toby right. Toby does. does. Yeah. Uh, Toby is one of the first Wait. ones to moon the devil. He's that's right. Yes. Really on top of it. Speaking I love of, the flirt this, hackling. This is this is where we first run into uh, Devil Daddy in the woods here. I don't know if it's how it's shot or if he's really like eight feet tall and like has twenty abs. Um, <laughs> but that is how it appears. I. Like, he's, honestly, he's such a good slasher villain mm-hmm. yeah he he definitely looks either like a cenobite or just like sexy michael myers especially when you only see him in shadows i definitely the first one like okay this could be a person in the mask or it could just straight up be the devil like, yeah i don't fucking know yeah that's true yeah, he's he's creeping through the woods. They all decide to take a pee break in the middle of the woods. I don't know how big these woods are supposed to be, but there's not that much woods in Hollywood. Like, right? They're just By like the being five feet from a road on either side, as far as I can <laughs> tell. Um, yeah, and and you know, he, uh, Eddie is or the devil is creeping through the woods, and Eddie is the of course the one to spot him, um, and so everybody else decides to moon the devil um for for Which, spying on them just rude rude and he, yeah. he gets cajoled into it but then uh notices that he's holding a knife because apparently eddie doesn't know what a knife is not a knife <laughs> not a knife it's the it guy <laughs> he would he would know if it was a samurai sword probably <laughs> i'm just liking the idea that he's like the family like, corporate needs you to find the, the the difference between these two pictures like knife sickle like that's the same picture <laughs> to be fair, he that wants was, to be a cop. So that was the exam work. he failed. They held out the different oh knives. He's like, ah, oh, it looks the same to me. It's like, all right, you can't be a cop then. You're done. But that's a wakazashi and that's a, t- a katana, and that's definitely an odachi. Just need like, the, the meme of the butterfly with the pickle. <laughs> Is this a knife? I do love that they just flirt hackle him into leaving them alone. Yeah, it wasn't their plan, but they, that's exactly what happened for that moment. Just flirt heckling. 
Yeah, he's just uncomfortable with the number of naked right. asses. He was definitely, he definitely wanted to get Joey right then and there. And mm-hmm. then he was just like, yeah, asses. Yeah. <laughs> ah, Joey. He's just in it for, you know, a one-on-one and then it gets into a five-some and he's like, whoa, I got to tap out. This is just a little too much. Yeah, he needs, I guess he needs the the element of surprise. Um, Makes his murder a little more intimate. You know? Yeah, and, you know, the only, like, that's the thing is that the mooning thing is the only real reason that I can identify that it, um, the killer is chasing the, or following them specifically. Like, because there's... there's right. Um, queer people everywhere. It's not like you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like a get barrier gaze where, as as Ben said, everybody's queer. So you know these specific characters encounter the devil in the in the woods, and you know he and who holds the devil, the he who moons the devil, yeah, will now be hunted. The, yeah, <laughs> it has to be like they you enter the Gotta woods, well. like it has to be the woods. <laughs> nobody else was like, hey. Let's park and walk super far so we can check out that hot, sexy murder spot that just happened. Yeah. Holy fucking Chaz. Well, and then Eddie leans into it by giving them all the deets. Because he's obsessed with the gore. He's a freak. He's weird. He's telling everyone everything that happened. I'm, I'm still convinced. You guys, I've seen this entire movie. I know he's the protagonist. He's still the killer, in my opinion. If he he's was the killer, into it. he wouldn't let himself get handcuffed. Oh wait, no! But he was able to to he, get his hands out of the hat. Oh. I'm just saying. Oh my god! See, I just want to remake this film with Eddie as the killer. Yeah, because he seems. I mean, but he would snow somebody real well because he seems real dumb. <laughs> <laughs> or is that just yeah. the role he's playing? That's right. That's like that's the thing. Is like he's he's conveniently dumb. And who else would go after Jake? Because Jake is an asshole. Jake is the whole touch me not. I'm a motorcycle daddy gay man who is actually just a giant doofus. I mean, like the second that we meet him alone, he's singing a song about condoms and doing karate moves in a mirror. I'm like, you're not cool. Don't play it. Come on. Did anyone? (laughs) He was the one who was like really watching Fight Club because he wanted to look at Brad Pitt. And then he's like, I want my secret boyfriend to be like, you know, a super problematic top in my dreams, <laughs> but I'm just going to ignore all the other bullshit in this movie. But, you know, Chess Chess. Somehow needs ecstasy Chess. to enjoy this uh, carnival. Chess needs so much ecstasy. Like, I, th- how many, I think three. I think we see him take three ecstasy pills and like an and 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 molly water, too. Yeah. In a time span, that can't be more than like an hour. Was anyone else really bothered by Jake's refusal to kiss Eddie? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Which is at the end, right? That doesn't happen right there. Did yeah. I kiss right there? The only explanation is that Jake knows he's in a movie and he needs to save the first kiss for like the most dramatic of <laughs> I assume the explanation is meant to be whoever's name he is getting tattooed over, getting these angel wings tattooed over on his back, oh. some asshole, yeah, he says, uh, mm-hmm. has really just like broken his heart and really fucked him up about physical intimacy. So now he's just like, he's just DTF at this point. He's just so damaged, you guys. I'd like to think that like my headcan is that it ended really bad. And he's like, look, my last relationship ended with him shooting me. My new relationship began with him shooting me. 
Yeah. Um, I just can't like the smoke in the face thing. And then Eddie being like, Oh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to smoke. And then him being like, no smoke. And then Eddie's like, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then speaking of dare, this is what they warned me about in dare. Yeah. Dare <laughs> warned <laughs> pressure. Motorcycle men would make out pots <laughs> in your mouth. What guy? Which officer was coming to your school? <laughs> that officer <laughs> was in Carolina. Okay. That's a remarkably specific scenario. Yeah. Are you sure it wasn't a stripper? One hit of luscious motorcycle man just kissing like a joint of the devil's lettuce into your supple lips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it... <laughs> It was gross. Like I've, I haven't been. I haven't had somebody like blow smoke in my face while I tried to kiss them. You know, that's just fucking rude. Like if I was Eddie, I would have been like, nah. Can no? Like Eddie must have been just so thirsty at that point. But because of all the smoke that got blown into his mouth, that'll make you. Yeah, Yeah. now he's thirsty and dehydrated. (laughs) Well, you know, you you get a little. I mean, at that point, Eddie has been thirsty, that thirsty for Jake since the moment he saw his sexy blood drip down his back. Sexy blood, man. Yeah, so he's thirsty for water and blood and his body, his ass. He's a vampire. That's what this is. He's a vampire. That, yep. And he- he, he This is now a YA novel. He's a vampire. Uh, I think it was already kind of a- (laughs) basically yeah and this is also the point where he just outright explains his disability and why he's not a cop to jake who he's just met and this Uh, is at the bar not later during this this feels like third date conversation it does and that but that's when jake makes the joke and he's like oh well okay you're a terrible shot obviously because you ruined your eye but also you're a terrible shot because you cannot pick me up at all and i'm just like please stop pursuing this man please people being awful at flirting and yet it works anyway right except for toby who is legitimately gorgeous and charismatic the whole fucking time and completely unappreciated yes perfect toby yes well and joey like i felt for joey a lot i know joey was Mm -hmm. sort of a little bit more of a a also very into the jock ex nerd ship Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that that was sort of the um, the this the reductive part of Joey's character, but he was just so precious. Well, can we also about that? Like, what we know about this person is that he is generally a jock. Like, he is an athlete of some sort, and so he dressed up for for Halloween just as his job, presumably. Yeah, he's like, yes. I'm already perfect. I don't need to dress up. Yeah, the the whole thing of where he for joey comes up to him and flirts with him and is like hey <laughs> so i met you at a party before and he's like yeah no that never happened and trying to act all cool in front of his friends just wearing like his day clothes apparently because that's all he wears is his jock uniform i, I do love the, the the movie being well how are we gonna know he's a jock if he's not wearing the sports jersey <laughs> right <laughs> How do we know? But he's such, he's so rude to him. And then later on, whenever, so then Joey has the whole crisis moment where he's like, yeah. uh, I'm 
rejected and that's the one time that Chaz really has a redeemable moment where we're like oh Chaz is gonna be the good friend helping him out and so they go into the bathroom and Chaz kicks the people out of the bathroom which like imagine going into a, re- a public restroom at Pride basically and yeah. telling everyone in there that they need to leave because your friend has to cry like that was the most unbelievable part in, in the a movie very very busy leather club like, right. and then yeah. everyone Pride? does it everyone leaves they're like oh yeah you gotta cry come on in here (laughs) you know it's such a crazy thing but i'm trying to think you know what if i was in a public restroom and someone just like kicked in the door and it was like everyone out like now i feel like i'd listen like i would be like oh i would just i'm like no i i would say a thing i'd just go like let me like fucking I mean, Everybody I don't know. Out, I know my myself. buddy needs to cry. There is a or- lot going on in this one club. The stuff in the the bathroom, but before that, we have the stuff with Jake uh, at the bar, and then we have like a concert actually, like going on in the middle of this film. Right. Oh yes, uh, I love Bradley that. James, who that was is, great. Uh, goes by nickname, um, singing the song "Porno Porno Di Giorno." Porno Di Giorno. Jacket, whack it, spank it. Top notch. <laughs> yeah, this 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 guy, uh, Kent Bradley Italian James, blood boils. actually just died in 2020. Oh wow! But like, oh. I was reading up on his biography, and he was like born Mormon in Utah, and then like left to go do country music, and then left country music uh, because he came out as gay and didn't think he could do country music anymore. So he decided Ooh. to do go the angriest punk music ever. Yeah. The angriest and the gayest. Like yeah. what a journey. It's, very gay punk music. It's the yeah, girl really you great, love like, to say. There's cool. a little yeah. Henry Rollins thing going on. Yeah. yeah. And then like he decided that he couldn't keep doing that without it being super violent and fucking himself up all the time. So he just quit that and moved to Florida and raised rescue dogs. Um, <gasps> like Will Graham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> Yeah, this like super interesting looking this guy up. Um, but yeah, he he just died last year. Um, you okay, man? I was just like, just to like Will Graham. Oh, he just killed me. <laughs> just like, just like that is really sad though. Hero, Will Graham. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say that bit about nickname there. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, they also Chaz says that the the jock guy is really something special in his little football belly shirt in the middle of the club. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is he though? Is like, he? Where? Big. I don't know if this is me being super straight, but is he? No, the shirt hides everything. And meanwhile, there's so many dudes around hiding nothing. Yeah. And Joey has this moment on stage where he's like finally coming out of his shell and like a bunch oh. of like big daddy guys, like, mm-hmm. Uh, pretends decapitate him with the fake <laughs> chainsaws and chainsaws. glitter blood. Yeah, that was kind of cute. I thought I, that was kind of a good gimmick for that like Halloween special club. I thought it was, it was cool a- too, but I also thought it was a little soon. Like this tragedy had just happened the night before and it's already risen to like urban oh, legend I status. I thought that was just the thing that they did. I I didn't think yeah, that, I assumed that it was also they just probably missed the memo routine. <laughs> They came from out of town. They didn't see all the posters. They came from out of town and they're like, you know what we should do? Decapitate someone on stage. That would be, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I mean, that's one thing the queer community does really well is, you know, embrace just being hated and 
you know, going with it. Yeah. I was like, oh, dang, they are really ready to reclaim this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, let's throw some blood and glitter everywhere. It's ours yeah. now. Yeah. And this, this is also where I wrote in the, the notes, oh no, they're splitting the party. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Not a good sign. Yeah. So uh, Joey has disastrous uh, pickup attempt and he has downstairs with Chaz because he's apparently going to throw up because he's so bad at hitting on people. Meanwhile, the rest of the group just straight up bails. They're following Jake wherever the hell Jake's going. Well, Eddie is. Yeah. Well, Toby needs to take the photo. Yeah. So Toby's, and I think Toby's fed up with these assholes that made mm-hmm. him walk all this way in heels through the yeah. woods. No sympathy. Toby yeah. is just like I got Toby's working out aggression. He's throwing balls at bottles. <laughs> yeah. Got the tiger. Yeah. This is yeah, so so Chaz has this great moment in the bathroom of like kicking these guys out and then giving Joey this like pep talk. He's gonna be, you know, Joey's uh he's gonna be Joey's uh, mentor, I guess. <laughs> This is really where this feels like it's going. And yeah. he's like, all right, you go ahead and clean up, buddy. I'll be right outside when you're ready to go. And he is out there for all of one minute yeah. before somebody walks by. And uh, he's like, well, I guess I'm going to fuck that person now. Yeah, yeah it's like, so that was a fucking lie. <laughs> like the fucking wolf cartoon. Yeah. And of course, immediately after that, uh, you know the the jock guy shows up and apologizes for being a shit in front of his friends to Mm -hmm. joey um right but apologizes in secret away from his friends and then says i'm supposed to hang out with my friends but i could ditch them he doesn't invite joey into plans with his friends he's like you know we can do this thing away from everyone else but if we're going to be together with everyone else this isn't going to happen so for me i was like joey go find better right now. yeah you yeah. deserve better yep. <laughs> yeah because i was thinking i wouldn't want to hang out with those friends either they seem right. like real shitty people yeah they're doing a whole if like Waldorf and Statler bit in the club right they have like their trilby caps on and they're judging everyone else for not being cool enough i'm like what is, what is going it's 2004 I so it makes sense it but it was bad yeah meet devil daddy and just start like doing their Selder and waldorf routine to devil daddy yeah that would be really good <laughs> But they yeah, have so their cute little... I think, you know, I think it reflects the degree to which um, Devil Daddy seems to only be after the four that, like, came into his forest. Like, because there's a lot of times where he could really just, like, Jake especially, he has a lot of opportunities to kill that he just doesn't. That does bring up a really good point because the first kill, they're in the forest. And now those four are also in the forest. So there's a possibility that that forest spot is genuinely just Devil Daddy's spot. Yeah, yeah. I think It's a portal to hell. And if you cross it, you're done. But Yeah, like once yeah. you go to the woods, like he, he, you can't leave. Like, or if you try, like he'll come after you. Like the only, because again, if his deal is just like, because I, I like that you don't find out who he is, but it's also if it's just, oh, I'm going to attack like gay men. Like there's gay men everywhere. There's thousands of gay mm-hmm. men right here. Like he is very specifically like he is crossing entire dance floors to reach like specific these specific people who came into his forest. Yeah, yeah there's no, also no Skeletor. This guy. <laughs> There's a really great line between, I wrote it down, but I don't, I don't remember exactly who it was from, but I think it's between Eddie and um, 
gosh, I don't remember, but it was basically Eddie was telling him about the murder because of course he was. And the response was, well, who, who cares what the motive is? You're never going to find out anyway. And I was like, there we go. <laughs> no, those tracks? You are right. The screen writer was like, I'm going to put this in there. I'm going to let you guys know exactly what's happening. You are not going to figure this out. The problem is I still don't know whether to trust that because you have movies like Scream where it's like, isn't it better if there is no motive? Now here's mm-hmm. my motive. Right. <laughs> the millennium. Oh, wait, it's 2000. God. It's 2004. <laughs> yeah, this is post-12. Okay, this movie came out like eight years after Scream. Yeah. Does not feel like it did. Yeah. Yeah, so Joey gets to be all all happy about getting his date for a total of 30 seconds before uh, Devil Daddy just pops up in the the stall to murder him. Um, Takes his head and leaves the rest of his body there. And then we do get two people popping in and finding his body and doing a whole routine about... (laughs) It's tasteless that somebody just left his dead body there. <laughs> that was great. I love that bit. That, like those two random guys were so fucking good in their life. Yeah, the note I wrote on that one was, God, I miss my friends. Because <laughs> that's the kind of shit. <laughs> wrote that down so many times. I'm like, God, I miss my friends. God, I miss large groups of people. God, yeah. I miss dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> Joey's dead. Joey's dead. Chaz is drugs. I do appreciate, like, now is it mean or is it mean or is it nice that Devil Daddy was like, okay, well, let him get his happy ending. He's going to get a little kiss. He's as like he's doing good and off with his head. Honestly, he it wouldn't have worked out with uh, with Jared. It, probably... it would not have. It, that yeah. would have ended in absolute flames. Joy would have been crushed, got his heart broken because he just would have been the little secret that, you know, he's afraid, he's ashamed of. But I yeah. did think it was incredibly kind for Devil Daddy to just like, let him let him go out on a high. You and know? Yeah. yeah, like Devil Daddy knows what's up. He knows this is only going to end in heartbreak. Like <laughs> We'll take him out, Measy. <laughs> this, this, this is the best time. Like there's never going to be a better time. He's just sitting back Joy was rejected. He's just sitting back there in the stall. Oh, my poor baby. I'm going to have to take <laughs> you out now. I don't know. I think like he's alone going to kill this one. Cleaning up for so long where Devil Daddy doesn't come out. I kind of think that if like if Joey hadn't become happy, he might have just let him go. I like to imagine a world where like he was rejected and Devil Daddy just comes out, just pat on the back and just leaves yeah. the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like the, the, uh, um, the wrong choice you know for mm-hmm. joey it does speak to the 80s horror trope which is you know typically had been used for women and to create that madonna horror complex but it's like as soon as you have sexual experience you are game for being murdered so i think that's a really that that could you know also be a point to be argued as do, why that is i do feel like toby is the only one who has that kind of like tragic fatal flaw that fateful moment of tragedy whereas like Joey and Chad, like, you're just doing normal stuff. Like, you're just having a perfectly fine, like, normal evening. Like, this is just normal storylines in a, you know, 24-hour coming-of-age, like, mm-hmm. queer party Chaz, movie. Chaz would have OD'd in the next two hours anyway, so. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but- that is really important to be said, though, because such a big part of this film is that all of the characters are not in beginning stages of their gayness and their identity no. in terms of sexuality. They all know who they are. They all are perfectly comfortable and confident about it. So it's not like a, an, an identity film in that sense. And yet we have Toby in which 
it very much is. It just was not intentionally done. But even in the way that it wasn't intentional, it wasn't, it doesn't feel um, super bad, which I just think speaks to the, the queerness of it, as Ben had said earlier. But yeah, I think that's a really interesting point is that they're also solidified. And yet Toby is the only one having an identity coming into self moment. Yeah. Like you take away the horror elements and so much of it kind of feels like a bit of like, you know, um, a queer uh, dazed and confused or a queer mm-hmm. like kind of aged up fast times at Richmond High where it's mm-hmm. like one night the craziest party like the virgin like falls in love with the bad boy like mm-hmm. you have like the nerd gets his heart broken or does he like Chaz as Matthew McConaughey <laughs> <laughs> it's a damn shame we don't have that honestly like I'm really hoping that the future of filmmaking will bring us like gay, dazed, and confused. And confused. Gazed and confused. I have faith. I have faith. It might come. It might take some time, but I, yeah. it'll come. You can find Jeremy's work on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just gonna say, I'm a screenwriter. I'll make it happen. Oh yeah, yeah no, <laughs> we'll you, yeah. For real though. Jeremy's if you wish they kissed at the end of Bring It On and that they were playing video games instead of cheerleading. <laughs> if you cool. wish the Disney Channel original movie Cadet Kelly was actually gay, I am the screenwriter for you. Yeah. All of the Disney original <laughs> movies are gay. <laughs> the 13th year, that is gay. <laughs> Luck of the Irish, that is gay. Alley Cat <laughs> Strike, holy so shit. So gay, yes. <laughs> so gay, Alley Cat Strike. <laughs> Another favorite of mine, are you, what, what is it? Don't look under the bed. That movie is entirely queer. That movie is so trans. I could talk about Disney Channel original movies for the rest of the night, so we got to move off this topic. Are you straight? <laughs> uh, my only question for most people is, are you straight or was Xenon Girl of the 21st Century your favorite Disney Channel original right, movie? Right, right. First of all, Zetus Lapidus. Zetus Lapidus. <laughs> My, my notes just get really reactionary at this point, which is Chaz has lived too long. Um, yeah. This is already <laughs> Devil agrees? Devil daddy. Molly at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He they barely just... gets like, I feel like this is more of a death sequence than a death scene. Yeah, Chaz is so high that he doesn't know he's dead until... It's great. Yeah. He's like, oh no. There are the people around him, apparently. He's just like, he's just like, puts his, he's like, he's still dancing. And then, like, he's putting his, he's just feeling his own torso. You know, as you do when you're sexy dancing. (laughs) And he's just like, like, gaping wounds. He's like, how did those get there? Right. I just imagine like feeling his own torso in this sexy dancing. And he's like, whoa, that's a weird. Whoa. Looks down. He's like, that's muscle. Whoa, that's my gills. bone. <laughs> I've got gills. <laughs> yeah. This is new. Oh, no. I wasn't sure oh. I was into this, but. <laughs> and then Guillermo I'm so del Toro. I'm a unicorn right. to a mermaid. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you went with Shape of Water instead of the boys. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm, we're not going to talk about the boys. <laughs> uh, our, our protagonist and his, his uh, scary boyfriend leave Toby behind, and uh, my notes just say, "Oh no, don't leave Toby alone. He's the only one I care about. He's the only one I love." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, Toby is objectified by straight men, um, mm-hmm. and Which... has his, his moment of first first connecting with the. I, the other I wanted to give Toby a hug actually, because it's like. Mm-hmm those first times kind of like 
when you're through the looking glass and it's like and you can tell like he's been objectified for so long but like you can tell that this is something new and worse and he doesn't yeah. like it and it's and it's kind of feels specifically that attention that like you ever like especially the first time that like a cis straight man hits on you and it's just so objectifying and just like just so demeaning and i don't know i just i just wanted to give toby a big old hug yeah mm-hmm. i mean i want toby to give me a hug but you know yes, he looks so yeah <laughs> stunning yeah um so this uh this photograph scene where he gets the the photo that he wants to send his mom this photo of him uh in the outfit in front of the billboard of him in not an outfit I'm very unsure um, on what his relationship is with his mom here because it's either very good or very bad. Yeah, it's this is based either, on the scene. Right, yeah. We don't get much clarity. He does said that he does say that he's going to mail it to his mom as a Christmas card, and yeah. then he looks and he's like, "Oh my god, I look like my mom." So I'm like, I, "Yeah, I'm very interested to know what that relationship is." Oh, he's either my, trolling his mom or it's really good open communication. My yeah. big question is: Were they able to get like? that billboard for like a day and they like put it up for just a night and then took it down <laughs> was that like a post effect or did they have to buy because i know how billboard purchases work mm-hmm. like having to do my day job did they have to purchase a whole month of just that that would be great, lounging in underwear like just in a fucking overpass in west hollywood i don't think it, it wouldn't have been you know anything abnormal for west hollywood though no, That's it's true. like, I think they had to probably have dedicated like five, six K of the budget towards the West Hollywood right. billboard that again, would have ran for an entire month. <laughs> so it's a very David Beckham kind of uh, billboard up there. I feel like mm-hmm. I don't think it's any coincidence that they like they ask the, the guys are hitting on him and are like, you know, how do you get an ass like that? And he's like, soccer. Um, yeah. But you uh, can tell it's like it. It's the tone. Like, if it had been, like, a queer hitting on, it would have mm-hmm. been more receptive. It would have been said playfully. Like, this was demeaning from them, and you could just... And Toby just said it with just, like, anger and revulsion, which... Yeah. Again, those first few times when you're just being... When you're being yourself, but you're just being seen, and when you're just getting the wrong kinds of attention from people from the first time, it's just, like... I just wanted to give him a hug. He does get a good Eric Draven cameo in the background when he's taking the photo. There's a guy dressed up as a, a crow in the background cool. there. I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't yeah, see either. It was in that, I'm pretty sure it was that scene um, where he's the, doing the- The crow uh, should have hit on him and they should have run off and he should have been fine. Yeah. Nothing is ever fine in the crow. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Oh God, you're not even behind the camera. Yeah, um, so this this is followed up by Toby uh, trying to pick up uh, Demon Daddy. Uh, Devil, Devil Daddy. Get it right, Jeremy. <laughs> not Gosh. Demon Daddy. Not that's a lower that's a lower tier of daddy. Get your daddy, Demon daddy and the... Devil Daddy. Get your high up your daddy's slip. right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go disrespecting daddy like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the podcast so... of a thousand daddies. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I like that. I want to be the femme daddy. So I'll be the devil daddy. 
I'm choosing my daddies? Is that, is that oh what's happening? Or choosing your daddy. Choose your daddy. Choose your daddy. I was trying and then I kind of just had a gender breakdown. Like, oh, I'm no. cat dad. I'm cat dad. I'm a cat dad. Like, I just have a cat. Oh, cat. Yeah, that's... But cool. like a cat girl, though. <laughs> it's just like... Yes. My, mine like, is just you actual know, daddy. Yeah. Cat girl. Yes. Cat girl. <laughs> it's just actual daddy. Yeah. So I don't, it's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a father daddy I believe we call that a patrilineal daddy <laughs> uh, biological no nope, I don't like that yeah nope. so uh, this, oh, that is, this also this also has the um, interesting plot mechanic of uh, Toby pulling out his ID so that he can prove that he's a guy and reading off his address and giving, right. like, giving this ID Look, so that that's a bad call it up. Look, that was a bad call in Iron Man 3. It's a bad call here. <laughs> I think there are a lot of bad calls in Iron Man 3. <laughs> don't read your I don't just don't read your address to people on the street. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get a third act where he shows up at your house. Let's not yeah. do that. I feel like we need that little the more you know star right now. Right. <laughs> that I wish in the bit. on the street. I wish he'd kept going where he was just like blood type. Oh positive. Like I'm an organ. Social donor. security number is yeah. my rising sign is <laughs> I'm, I'm two punches away from a free subway. <laughs> just like here's my visa. <laughs> Here's my, like, my, here's my credit score. Right. Here's yeah. my social security That's number, everything about me, my blood type, takes everything. Takes a birth certificate out of his garter. And... <laughs> I'm a member of the Los Angeles County Public Library. <laughs> <laughs> I can oh, check God. out books online with this thing. Um, online? <laughs> at least. In 2004, you can't, but. Is it like MapQuest? <laughs> All I can right. say for when Toby does what it is, at least he gets a discretion shot. Right. He's the one character. Right. He's the one of these three friend deaths. He's the one who he gets the most tasteful, mm-hmm. you know, shall we I say. I de- definitely noticed that too. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, what I think is interesting in that whole sequence is that final blow because of, you know, the, the discretion shot and how if that doesn't feel like the biggest blow of the scene you know him dying being murdered doesn't feel like that's the thing that really cuts the thing that really cuts is everything leading up to that moment where he is literally chasing down this killer who we know as the audience is only killing what the what you know he says are cis gay men but Mm -hmm. toby who has spent this entire movie just trying to be validated and then going through the gauntlet of not finding community not being validated not being any or accepted for like the femininity of toby is now having to prove himself as something that is viable for someone that does not want toby for who toby is and does that by undressing you know like takes off the wig and 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 takes off the dress and then you know we made the jokes but yeah throws the the id down and it's like man like that marker on your identification like what is your assignment at birth what is all of that and like using that and being like this is who i am instead of my identity it comes down to genitalia markers at birth and all this different stuff and then that's when the killer finally pursues and says okay you are actually the type that i am out to get uh and that 
feels like the blow that vulnerability of toby undressing taking off the layers and exposing a center that is not fully the true center but rather the center of like who toby thinks he has to be in order to get love that feels like the death that feels like the hardest blow you know i think back to that scene the mo like the heaviest moment it's not toby being decapitated that i think about the moment that devastates me is when he pulls the dress down yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and it feels not so much like toby is angry at I mean, this is just a culmination of what Toby has been angry at the whole Mm -hmm, night. mm -hmm. You know, this is him just being like, fine, if you won't accept it, fine. You know, and and the the demon daddy is um, not what he really wants. He's he's just like just fed up with everybody not um, respecting him for what is, you know, in his in his heart, essentially. I don't think he ever really wanted Demon Daddy. I think he was just pissed off that Demon Daddy was walking away from him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, this is this was like the last straw. And he's like, fine, I can't do this. Fine, I won't. You know, mm-hmm. this is dumb kind of thing. And that was, mm-hmm. th- yeah, that was the most tragic part of that. Um, and, you know, it almost felt like a mercy killing after that. Um, when he was, uh, you know. Which is kind of how... That's kind of how Devil Daddy plays it. Like he caresses his mm-hmm. cheek, and then it's like yeah. this very sudden, quick. Like it's the one death that, like from our perspective as the audience, is completely bloodless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if you really want me to kill you, I'll kill you. It's fine. <laughs> you feel like with it's the like- layers of her Devil Daddy. There's that same sense of rejection, which is why mm. maybe Devil Daddy is just lashing out against that specific. Mm. There was a mention of the the devil daddy as a 40-year-old man that couldn't be young again. Mm-hmm. In the car, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, but that... then they saw devil daddy and they're like, oh shit, this guy's so fucking ripped. He, that yeah. Like this guy, like, we'd all fucking do him. I, I kind of saw sort of a Francis Dollarhide kind of character from that guy just being like, there was something that he was trying to get, some sort of beauty, like it may have been about beauty standards or something like that um you know that's also me having also the fact he was a big demon and ripped as hell mm-hmm. i feel like there's almost no motivation the killer can have that won't inject some complicated and probably unfortunate themes right into the story. that's true yeah that mm-hmm. for both for that reason and for also just increasing the mystique and the mm-hmm. tension uh i think is you know it's probably a good reason that we learned very little about Devil Daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Why is he killing? Because you're mm-hmm. a hot gay dude and you tripped his forest alarm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Cannon>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Eddie and Jake try to go back to the club, uh, which is now closed because they found a dead body in there. Oh, no. Um, apparently... The fact you? that Eddie works for the police uh, does not mean that he knows any police or that he can at least be like, hey, can my boyfriend go get his uh, motorcycle over there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they jump a fence and Eddie is ill-equipped to date a bad boy because he is very bad at climbing fences. <laughs> he's not able to do it. Um, or he's pretending not to. Mm. He wants to seem 
Yeah, Terry, you've got he's me convinced like, now. He's like, oh, help me. I'm just like a helpless little nerd. Like, I'm just a good farmer boy. Like, that's that that's his whole stick. I'm telling you guys. I'm in law enforcement. He's like, please help me. Oh, my God. Do you have a motorcycle? Let me ride on it. I'm just yeah. so useless. <laughs> Except I can't get in the club because I don't know any of the cops. Also, <laughs> right. how do I, I, how do how do I move my arms? I can't. <laughs> I don't know how to flirt with anybody. How do I talk? It's like my first day talking ever. <laughs> I just, I would love to see that. I would just love to see the version in which some, like, you know, he's the killer, which I think would, you know, go a little bit along the lines of switchblade romance, which is, you know, incredibly, incredibly mm. wrong, uh, <laughs> which is not the, which is, it was re-released under a different title which i can't remember it, it would be a crazy twist then could for that to then make jake the final girl right uh, yeah also then you have the plan of like wait was your plan just to get this fucking apartment in a not great neighborhood all to yourself <laughs> you killed all your friends what now eddie you have you have to pay all this rent by yourself what's your fucking game plan here eddie <laughs> We have to check all the life insurances and see. If oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> None of these guys have life insurance. No, <laughs> no. Not one. Probably not. Yeah, they're all living in a shared apartment in West Hollywood, and we know at least one of them works in the diner downstairs. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So trying to get back in the club to see if they can uh, find Joey, uh, they get attacked by the demon, and um, he. <laughs> He stabs Eddie in the fake eye, um, which is a really cool shot, I guess. Like it's it's really well done. Apparently, it was like one of the few special effects in this movie. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's very creepy and visceral. It's really yeah. good. The final third act of the movie is a little weird to me because we go from the the club where they find a dead body. All the friends are separated. Uh, Eddie gets attacked, but then they get away and they go on this like night drive motorcycle ride and it's all romantic and they get back to the house and all of his friends are gone and there's a killer on the loose and he's not at all very concerned with going to find his friends. He's just like, yeah, I'll stay here with my bad boy motorcyclist, Jake, and get high and be handcuffed to a bed. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's there's unclear scene. how long they are in this police station or wherever they are in between and that like at some point his his sister who's a cop or oh, one of the right. other many cops he knows that. wouldn't have been like hey we found all of your friends dead uh, right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sis, sis, can the sister not be homophobic why like 2k4 edition <laughs> <laughs> yes there's a scene like i there's a scene later on in act three when um eddie is running away from devil daddy and he like stumbles into like the kitchen and like all the heads like stumble mm -hmm. out onto him and the, it looks like they made a very good like kind of decapitated head for joey and then they ran out of head budget so, <laughs> so Chaz and toby are just kind of like all right wear like a green screen from a suit from like the neck down and just lie on the floor <laughs> <laughs> And we'll figure quite, out from there. Yeah, I didn't quite get but, that bit, but I, mean, I have I, to imagine that they had to go into like reshoots and do that scene because they put together the assembly cut and they're just looking and they're just like, 
Guys, does Eddie ever figure out that all his friends are dead? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, it does make sense, too, because I guess, you know, they're all headless. So headless bodies are being turned up. So they wouldn't actually be able to identify the body right away. So when he's in the police precinct, they wouldn't be able to tell him all your friends are dead. So, yeah, it does make sense. But adding that in post, it, it seems pretty plausible like he has no reaction to like his his entire friends group is dead and he barely reacts like and i was even thinking today i was like did he ever find out like is he just being like oh yeah i saved the day like i've got a hot date like once he gets out of the hospital (laughs) and then does he just have like a whole lot of crushing bad news coming his way he's definitely losing his deposit on that apartment that's yeah oh yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, so we we go from the police department to the house. Uh, we finally, he's finally gonna get out of there with Jake. They ride the motorcycle home, and uh, you know he gets Jake's shirt off, and they're gonna. <laughs> he really wants to have sex. Jake apparently just wants to smoke and blow blow uh, smoke into Eddie's mouth. Um, Jake is, just takes himself way too seriously. This is the peer uh, pressure I was warned about. <laughs> right, yeah. That's a, that's some sex. That's a sexy stoner move right there. It is. Let me just shotgun this and then, but we're not going to kiss though. I'm just going to shotgun you this smoke right now. But yeah, I feel like Jake really takes himself way too seriously. Whatever relationship he just got out of did such a number on him that he just cannot have any sort of normal human connection. Well, I, I feel like you, you hit the nail on the head. The problem isn't the I'm going to blow smoke into your mouth. The problem is he hasn't followed up with a kiss. Like that move right. really, like that move really needs a, like a passionate kiss on top of it to work. Yeah. If you're just like blowing smoke into somebody else's mouth, that's just weird. That's weird and rude and gross. Like, you know, it's not, and it's definitely not the vibe that Eddie was going for, you know, like it, it, it felt like Jake just fucking with him. And for a minute, yeah. I thought Jake was like, was part of this scheme. Mm-hmm. Like he was some sort of bait because he wasn't, he didn't seem like he was fully into it. I thought uh, that way too. Especially yeah. when the handcuffs came out. Yeah, right. and, and then, then he he's leaves. just standing there and staring. He, he he leaves, but then he takes a moment. He just like leans against the wall and stares at him, handcuffed to a bed. And I'm it's like, very this creepy. is weird. Yeah. yeah, he handcuffs him to the bed, and then I, Eddie sends him to go get condoms. And this is the scene you were talking about earlier, where there's this weird PSA for condoms, where like he pulls the condoms out of <laughs> thing and is like, condoms. I hate condoms, but they'll what? keep me from dying. Keep you safe. Yeah. <laughs> to That's himself. Hard. And then he does karate in the mirror for God knows what reason. He's pumping it's himself like, it's up. Like a, it's like, is it like, is he kind of like humming it to himself? Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. It's like a little song. I'm going to keep you safe. Got condoms. <laughs> <laughs> he's, working on the, he's been working on a jingle all week. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so we know his job. <laughs> I do, he was time. the dare officer. <laughs> it was him. It was him. He's, he writes jingles. He's the Uncle Jesse in somebody's sitcom. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, the gay Uncle Jesse implying that Uncle Jesse was ever straight. Mm, (laughs) Yeah. Uncle Jesse is definitely bisexual, in my opinion. But, yeah, that's the first moment that we ever see anything true or real about Jake's character as he is, and not just this persona of, like, this sexy, tattooed bad boy. And that was when I was like, get rid of all of that. Come on. Just be your normal, adorable, condom-singing-song self. Come on here. Yeah, he's a total nerd. Like he was a LARPer and definitely. Yeah. He does D&D. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but the whole thing where he's like, You want you wanna fuck me? 
Well, do you think I do? I want to fuck you? Am I gonna fuck you? Maybe. Ooh, and I'm like, right, like chicken fight a fucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'm then like, he hears a noise and goes wandering around somebody else's bedroom in this apartment he's never in, be- never been in before. Yeah, like what the fuck are you doing, man? Just take the condoms and, and go have sex. Like, just, yeah. what the fuck is going on? This foreplay is taking way too long. Like, I know you're trying to like make him really want it, you're but five play now. It's too long. Yeah, it's like ten play, <laughs> twenty-two play. <laughs> yeah it's it's too much and then yeah now devil daddy finally shows up popping from one of the many open windows and doors in this house it's just full of open windows and doors um jake saves the day temporarily um but then is is unable to follow through with any sort of killing because he is very stabbed um and this is what i'm saying with jake not actually being a target because if he was like Devil Daddy with the other four did not hesitate. It's like, okay, I got you. We're going straight for the decapitation. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, I'm going to stab you and then leave you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't yeah. fit the MO with the other three. It doesn't. I think that's a solid point. I don't trust Jake. I have a lot of trust issues with Jake. Yeah. I'm Jake not. is a Jake lot of red flags. <laughs> Jake is a lot of red flags, but he doesn't make Alice wearing high heels walk through the woods. Well, he may have if he had the chance. He probably, like, if Toby was into Jake, he would have been like, okay, I'm going to run across this gravel and over these pits. Just so long as it's not, like, a gravel protected by an unstoppable, like, super ripped murder man. But, I mean... Jake is the kind of guy who, like, takes you somewhere on his motorcycle, and then you get in an argument, and he leaves on his motorcycle, leaving you with no way to get home. Like, Yeah, exactly. 100% this dude. Yep. Here's the thing. Fuck Jake. Angel wings. Uh, And he's like, oh, it's covering up someone's name. Does that mean he already had one angel? Like, he got someone's name tattoo, had to cover Mm -hmm. that up with an angel wing. Got another tattoo and has now had to cover that up with the second in first and last, you know. Would, would, <laughs> would Eddie's eventual Brian tattoo? <laughs> would Eddie's eventual tattoo be a sickle? I'm hoping that he just keeps Two adding wings for X's, <laughs> and by the time he gets to six, he's like, "I'm Old Testament angel." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. eyeballs. He's a seraphim. <laughs> Yeah, at first he took when he took the shirt off. They're only showing like the one wing, and I was like, "Is some Sephiroth shit?" What's going yeah, on? No. He's the but killer. Then, you get, but then you get the two wings, and it's like, ah, uh, I get. You were big into Final Fantasy Eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know that he's extra edgy because he is into Squall. Yeah, he is a total Squall. That motherfucker. <laughs> Jake is one hundred percent like, okay. Jake was like a kid get playing Final Fantasy VIII and like and Squall was like his big gay awakening. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's yeah. modeled himself after Squall or possibly Leon. We don't really Leon, know. Yeah, yeah. Definitely Leon, that like brooding mysterious thing going on. That's yeah. why he's wait, trying so hard. Same. Yeah, wait, isn't Leon just the name they gave Squall in the first Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> yes. No, that was his, oh my God, is that's... it? Okay. His explain this to me. <laughs> his name is Squall Leonhart. <laughs> Got and it. Squall he didn't like the name Squall, so he goes by Leon. The two wings, Squall, Leonhard. It's just... <gasps> there we go. There we go. Wow. Did he just get? Did he just get his heart broken by a Final Fantasy cosplayer? <laughs> Probably. One hundred. 
totally a type. <laughs> he, he didn't have the keys super. to the handcuffs. Because, man, I he gotta did. tell you, like, this is a few years before I started hitting up the anime convention circuit, but by 2007, like, the, like, hell, all the classic Final Fantasies had come in, they fucking ruled the roost. Like, yeah, the 2000s, you could not go to an anime con without so many clouds and Sephiroths. Oh, yeah. No, like in, in 2001, I mean, <laughs> there are clouds and Sephiroths the second that fucking Final Fantasy it, dropped. The Final Fantasy, like, Seven. stayed on the cosplay charts, like, so long. It's like Mr. Brightside, how it just never left the UK charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally my favorite experience at a comic convention is doing Denver Comic Con and walking outside to find Galactus and... Uh, and and uh, fucking cloud passing a joint back and forth, <laughs> just standing on the outside balcony like Galactus is like, just hand it off to Cloud. I was like, what is happening? This is this is, that was my fanfic. I so I once went to a convention. It was half the hotel was booked for an anime con. The other half was booked for an Indian wedding. And I want to write a movie about the hotel <laughs> staff that had to manage that shit on one weekend. I love that. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's so much better than my my SAC con, my SAC anime experience where half the, <laughs> half the, the convention center was like a furniture expo and the other half was SAC anime. <laughs> well, it's like I do Heroes Con every year and like literally half the years that I've been there because it's in Charlotte. Like it's us and CPAC. <laughs> like it's wow. real weird. It's like a lot of like real creepy conservative guys in suits and ties standing around escalators watching girls in costumes. It's not fun. Oh, I Ooh, hate it. No, I it's hate that. Really oh no. I hate oh, that. Oh, that's bad. No. Thank you. No, I no. hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no, bad vibe. Anyway, yeah. Um, so speaking of bad bad vibes, <laughs> there's the segue. Yeah. <laughs> One of my my note here is if only this if only this man had had a cellular phone like in Scream, this could have saved the day. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, if only he got cell service in Los Angeles in 2004. <laughs> well, he was okay. This is the only time that I've ever seen a person in a movie page the handset for their cordless phone. Yeah. So like I forgot that was a thing until then. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. The page hands it for his cordless phone, find his cordless phone. He starts talking to the cops, and then Devil Daddy breaks the base so that he can't continue to talk to the cops. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is so I of a very that. particular time. I watched films from the 90s and before that and see the lack of technology. And there's so many situations that just do not work in modern times with all the yeah. tech that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Of just Delta doesn't have to be in the room to just fuck up that call. And uh, Eddie is like the well. First of all, Eddie doesn't understand what stealth is. First with the paging, <laughs> and second, like he goes into the kitchen and knocks everything over. He's just like, oh, <laughs> hey, Devil Daddy, are you in the cupboards? Yeah, like guess what, Devil Daddy? Are I'm you in right the dishwasher, here. Devil Daddy? Are you hiding in the fridge? <laughs> are you in? The, are you here under all the butter knives? Because I have to search all the. Devil <laughs> Daddy, why are you in the <laughs> Oh no! Life the knife head. block in this fucking kitchen. How old are these guys? <laughs> I know. Life, 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 life
That's definitely I want, for Chaz. I definitely want like in the, like <laughs> scenes that must have happened. I want like Devil Daddy having arrived there before Eddie and Jake looking around, being like, "Now where do I want to stash these heads?" <laughs> Wait, when did that sense. happen? Do I want to like put them in the bedroom? Like, nah. I want. I kind of want to watch them fuck a little before then. Like, maybe in the bathroom. Like, where do I think you might be stumble room room onto setting them up? It's like. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> we have plenty of time. I like to imagine he got this brilliant idea. It's like I got like if I stuff a room thing and then like I just like really cram it in, then if he opens that, it's all gonna go tumbling out, and that's just gonna have the effect. Like, oh, right. devil stacks, daddy, you done it again. He stacks every single thing in that cupboard just perfectly, so when the door opens, it all falls perfect. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, every yeah, single exactly, thing, right. but it's literally just heads and ramen in there. I think. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just heads ramen. and dry packets of ramen. I like to imagine Dale Dad just walking around and being like, you know what? I did them a favor, cut their heads <laughs> off. <laughs> um, Devil Daddy interior design. Yeah, and this is uh, this is we. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier. As many times as we talk about the various Chekhov's things we have, this movie we actually have a Chekhov's gun. It's introduced in the first right. act and then they yeah. need it in the last and act. I had that notes. The Chekhov's gun is actually a gun this time. Yeah. Yes. Had, oh, yes. Of course, it's in the closet, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I have a bad feeling that Eddie belonged to like Log Cabin Republican campus, like in college. Makes uh, sense. I feel that for him. I think that's why I just don't trust him. I just can't. Even though I know he's the prota- I know he's the protagonist. I know he's not the killer. I watched the entire movie and yet if, and Mitt, Rom- the if Mitt Romney had a the. gay son, <laughs> it would like I feel like Eddie it would, would be, be Mitt Eddie. Romney's gay it would, son. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But then, yeah, so, so then we have the the whole. It's very novella, like this third act with like the climax scene, the gun. And the fire escape and the moonlight and all of this is it, it, it. That's when things just went wild for me. I was like, okay, all bets are off. We're just going for it. Yeah. Oh, Eddie is dangling by handcuff. This climax is fucking buck wild. Yeah, his his wrist is not broken. No, no, we do have to we do have to cover the fact that like the killer pins him against the railing and then takes his eyeball out with his tongue right. like takes his fake like, eyeball out with his it out. tongue pops it into his mouth counter argument maybe we don't have to talk about the scene where he I know we have to but what if we didn't was it with his tongue I it was I didn't say yeah. it. it was he scoops the eyeball out of the socket with his devil daddy tongue disclaimer just... eyeball stuff right there yeah oh yeah. <laughs> what is... sucked it out I love it that that is wild I, I can't believe I didn't realize it was his tongue but I don't know what I thought it was I thought he just sucked it out yeah like I didn't I didn't read tongue thing but I was also like my head was shrinking into my body at that point because I <laughs> oh all... it's it's bad oh my god no so there is a scene be, like with the eyeball where again I think there is times where Eddie's disability is handled nuanced and well and there's a scene where like uh, Jake walks in on him and it's a time where like he has to like adjust it and it's like out of focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a sense of like a little awkwardness and embarrassment, but also a sense of just like a day-to-day acceptance that this is something that kind of happens to Eddie. Yeah. Like, again, not being disabled, 
I can't truly speak for its accuracy or verisimilitude, but it felt like a small yet relatable and understandable. Yeah. 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 So he gets Eddie gets knocked off the balcony while Jake is bleeding on the other side. Eddie like is the handcuff that's still half on one arm catches on the balcony and he's still got the gun and he's shooting very poorly at the uh, at Devil Daddy. Uh, manages to shoot Jake once, miss Devil Daddy a second time, and then finally, manage, when he does shoot him, gets him right between the eyes. Statistically speaking, one of these shots had to be perfect somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jake is finally okay with kissing him now that he shot a guy for him. Right, I was just going to okay. say. You and know, shot him. Moment. Right, he's like, you shot me. and then, But the thing is that they have finally trauma-bonded enough that <laughs> Jake can now <laughs> kiss Eddie. That's what happened. This fucking big old drama baby needed mm-hmm. to just have the most dramatic moment possible for exactly. that person. Exactly. I still also, think they're in cahoots. Him, he can kiss him. <laughs> I don't know. It might just be the fact that fire escapes in blue light always make me think of rent but i would not have been <laughs> mad if they ended that final moment in song i was waiting for it actually yeah i think it was side story but same right yeah. it would have been great if just like joey and chaz and like devil daddy comes out and they all just start singing like <laughs> and it just starts like he does like a little right. tap dance number like it starts as like an intimate duet and then it just turns into a giant theatrical number. Fucking Toby comes out and like an even like more like Slumdog Millionaire, and just like belts out like <laughs> a Susan Streisand style like yes, ballad. yes. <laughs> Instead, what they opt for is the sister wheeling the the body of the killer by them and revealing that he's still alive somehow, but he's just a he's just a vegetable now. Um, and Eddie is like, no, that can't possibly be the truth. And goes to look and uh, the devil daddy opens his eyes. And then we see that he has, um, I presume this is supposed to be Eddie's eye in his mouth, but it's yeah. the wrong fucking color. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Is it brown? Yeah. Eddie's eyes are hazel. The eye mm. in there is blue. Oh, it's blue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not even like a slight not it's slightly off it's very off and i was like uh you just not you just not have a prop maybe right, you no. bleached it he lost <laughs> eddie's eye along the way but he still wanted an eye to you know show eddie so he just you know took one out with someone as he's wheeling by that's what it was <laughs> Stealing yeah eye. i just make it yeah but i do think that was cool is the whole okay well he's not a threat to us anymore but then finding out he's not actually dead and the eye open with the mouth open and the eyeball inside. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It was very... It um, wasn't the same color. What was that Madonna video that had her with the eyeball mouth? Uh, Die Another Day. Was that No. It? no. <laughs> was Fun! That... <laughs> Wait, what? Um, oh, I think that's right. It was very <laughs> Exodus, as long as we're going with the biblical terms with the wings and all of that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Eyes was... and the mouth. It was the Mark Romanek video that that the movie The Cell ripped off. What is it that it was probably ripping off something else? It's okay. Art is sorry. I don't have a. I don't have an index of all the Madonna music. Oh my! Light ray of light. Ray of light. It was ray of light. To acknowledge Madonna songs that aren't themes to the silliest of the Pierce Brosnan James Bond films. Okay, my bad. I didn't know she did that song, but you know, was it bedtime story? 
No, it was it was bedtime story? Okay, yes, yeah. it was definitely bedtime God, story. Shit. Yes, get in the. Like, I, say, I thought it was Ray. is much more like Chaz's death scene. It's a lot of the. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Disco vibes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get. I feel like posed if we wanted like a more, uh, like full on vote. Like, no, if we it would have been great if we got in Vogue. That would have mm-hmm. been cool. Would it be, I mean, would it be too trite if this movie where everybody is queer ended with a musical number? I, for it. I, I don't think he's all that concerned with triteness. Yeah, I don't care uh, okay. because it would be great. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if we wanted to, I mean, it's not like we were trying to deconstruct any tropes here, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're, while we're talking about tropes, let's uh, talk a little bit about our uh, our politics in this movie. Uh, I feel like right off the bat, this movie does not have a lot to say about race or class. Do you guys feel like there's anything there that deserves discussion? Definitely Definitely just fully just ignores it. it. Yeah. There were some, there were some queer characters of color 